Apostle Peter wrote to the Jewish Christians of Turkey in his time and wrote, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, so also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as father, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with a perishable thing such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Hello, this is a podcast from Two Ways Ministries, and I'm Philip Jensen. Persecution and seduction are the two methods that Satan, that great liar and accuser of God's people, uses to turn us away from faithfully serving our Lord. While they're different, they're still used together to get us to do his bidding. His way to avoid persecution is by accepting seduction. And the consequences of seduction will be persecution if we don't go along with his plans, for rejecting seduction leads to persecution. So he bounces us back between saying, oh, this is the way to go, it's so much better, and then when we say no, to bring up the arguments and the opposition and the persecution. Seduction can be seen in Satan's tempting in the Garden of Eden, of course, but Also, Demas, in love with this world, left the Apostle Paul in his proclamation of the gospel. And there are those warnings by Jesus and about Jesus about being ashamed. We mustn't be ashamed of Jesus. We must go along with the world in its rejection of him. Well, at least don't stand up for him and his gospel. It's it's quite possible to be seduced in mind rather than just behaviour. So the Sermon on the Mount speaks against being like those who pray long prayers. In fact, one of the keys to the Sermon on the Mount is Matthew chapter 6 and verse 8, Do not be like them. For we think that we will be heard like the pagans thinks they will be heard for their length of complicated prayers. But that's not how our Father hears us. The whole concept of being holy is a concept of being different. Different to the world. Different to worldliness. Different to those who reject God and his people. God's Old Testament people were to be a holy nation, were to live distinctively, differently to the Canaanites around about them and to, in fact, everybody. Their food laws, their dress, their their whole method of law-keeping was to be different to stand out as distinctive. And now, as the New Testament speaks, Christians are to be holy, to be different and distinctive from their old manner of life, which will make them distinctive and different from the fallen and sinful world around about us. Seduction is to accept the way of the world, in mind, in behaviour. But persecution... Persecution is what happens to those who will not stand. Persecution is what Satan turns to when we reject his seductive ways. 
And persecution is more obvious in the New Testament. It comes in the life of Jesus. John chapter 12 speaks of Jews who were afraid to follow with Jesus because they had been threatened to be put out of the synagogue. As well as the early chapters of Acts, you hear about the apostles being put in prison and being beaten. Indeed, Jesus himself is the persecuted. His persecution leads to the cross. But in John 15 and through following into the beginning of chapter 16, he warns his disciples that following their master will be following in the path of persecution. It inevitably will follow. They hate me, they will hate you. In the New Testament, of course, it's life and death that we're speaking of. And still around the world, in many nations, Christians are being persecuted to the point of imprisonment and death. Here in Australia, we haven't reached such levels of persecution. Rather, it's kind of mild disapproval. It's being dropped off people's Christmas card list, as if people still send Christmas cards. But yet, persecution is increasing in the Australian scene. Uh, the current football jumper brouhaha is, is an issue of both seduction and persecution. The seduction is to go along with the values and ideas of our current society without reference to God. So here on this occasion, a group of footballers were required by their club to wear a jumper which they by conscience disagreed with. The only alternative that was given to them was not to play in that round, that game of football, even though it was a critical game for their club's success this season. And so they were given the option of, well, going along with everybody else, with the values and ideas of our society, but of course in opposition to their understanding of God's will. Words words are being used to, to change minds, to seduce us into thinking differently. I mean, you can think back about the word gay. It sadly no longer means gaiety. And nobody is calling their daughter gay these days. But homosexuals, they have also used the word now inclusion to mean something quite different to inclusion. It now means gay pride. And so to have an inclusion round, to have an inclusion football game, is not about letting everybody be involved, but rather it's to choose, it's to choose particularly to encourage, promote, advocate for the inclusion of homosexual people in society as a whole. If the footballers genuinely want to have an inclusion round, well then let every player choose the logo of their own particular choice to be placed upon the team jumper. Some could have a cross, others could have the crescent moon, others could put on the rainbow. Now that would be inclusive. But that's not what's meant by the word inclusion. Today, rather, the positive sense of inclusion has been appropriated by one particular minority group in order to gain community acceptance or even approval of their lifestyle. And because 
the footballers wouldn't go along with that acceptance and approval of that particular lifestyle, they have been excluded as part of inclusion. You see how the word has changed its meaning, or rather is being changed by the political ideological process. Their refusal opens up persecution. For persecution happens to those who refuse to be seduced by society, by the world. In the case of Israel Folau a couple of years ago, it was his preaching via social media and in church which brought the footballer into conflict with his profession. This opened up any number of questions about the rights of a private life for those contracted professional sports people. Sadly, because of an out-of-court settlement, the issue has not been resolved. And so we're left in limbo, so to speak, as to what rights people have to say their mind, to speak freely outside the context of their work engagement. What rights the society, the clubs, the cultures, the organisation the boss has over our private communication or our public communication in private time. But with the Manly Seven, the seven men who, playing for Manly, refused to put on this football jumper, the initiative lay not with them, but with the club. They were required to wear a jumper that by conscience they couldn't wear. And they weren't given any choice on this or even any consultation. Not that consultation means consultation anymore. Consultation's another weasel word that's being changed in its meaning. They objected because it was against their culture and against their religious convictions. You would have thought in the age and society of multiculturalism that just saying you came to to a different culture, you come from a different culture, you, you actually find this offensive to your culture should be enough to allow you to continue. But of course, multiculturalism was always a shibboleth, not a real value, not a real view. No, it was religion that was seen as the reason why they couldn't continue. They were excluded by the club and they were publicly pilloried by the media for following the cultural and religious convictions that come with the Pacific Islanders. Whether further action of persecution will be taken against them is yet to be seen. The Folau case must make the lawyers a little bit nervous. But the club and the football code have stated their intention to at least repeat their actions next year, if not to increase the inclusive policies by calling upon all clubs to have a pride round. Some in the club have already declared that the seven players have agreed to play in such a round next year, indicating their support. But the seven players have had to put out a public statement saying they have no intention of such a, such a pride round, no intention of changing their opinion. They point out that religion is not something over which you can flip-flop your opinion. Their resistance can only lead to conflict and the real possibility of more exclusion and more persecution. So how do Christians face seduction and persecution? Leave aside this particular case, but think of how any one of us would stand up 
to seduction and persecution. The consistent reading of the Bible, especially the New Testament, is one of the ways for it keeps warning us of these realities. All who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, is what the Apostle wrote to Timothy. Giving in to bullies is never a wise course of action, though the result of standing up against bullies may well be suffering for one's conscience' sake. Understanding the sovereignty of God and accepting his kindness in looking after us, even in, especially in, suffering for the cause of the gospel, is an important reassurance for us in the face of opposition. God will look after us. The invitation of Jesus, the crucified Christ, to become one of his disciples explicitly involves suffering. Jesus invites us to deny ourselves, take up the cross and follow him. This invitation is to lose our lives for his sake and the gospel's. It's the invitation not to be ashamed of him in this world. Paul repeats this view in 2 Timothy chapter 1, where Timothy is told not to be ashamed of testifying to the Lord Jesus or of, the, of his apostle Paul himself. Knowing from Philippians 1 that confidence in the face of opposition is a clear sign to the opponents of their destruction, but of your salvation, and that from God is written to encourage us to stand firm and to be united in the gospel. Knowing that we're called to holiness and sanctification means that we expect to be different to others, especially in the area of sexuality, as Paul makes clear in 1 Thessalonians 4. The gift of the Spirit of Truth, who witnesses to Christ, is promised in the context of suffering in John chapter 15 and 16. Jesus is persecuted without cause and assures the disciples that they too will be, will be persecuted. Because of this, the witnessing is raised. The Holy Spirit comes to witness and they must witness. But remember, you only call upon witnesses when there is opposition. When there's complete agreement, there's no point calling a witness. Witnessing always means opposition. Because witnessing is involved, people try to see how we can best fit in with society. But that opens us up back to seduction, doesn't it? Apologetics is spoken of in the New Testament, but it is the defence we have to make in times of persecution. It's the answer we have to give in court to those who would accuse or prosecute us. But Christians today use the word and concept of apologetics in the context of philosophical discourse with unbelievers. Our philosophical discourse should not be defensive, apology, apologetics, but rather prosecutorial. For with the gospel, the Holy Spirit is going to convict the world of sin, righteousness and the judgment to come. Like Jesus... We should accuse our opponents of their hypocrisy, false assumptions and lies. When we see apologetics as our evangelistic discourse, we slip into accepting the accusations made against God and his people and to think 
in terms of Satan and his lies. And thus we become seduced into Satan's worldview and we give answers to the world that never really answer the problems of the world. Indeed, they never work. No one ever is persuaded. When we show how our life and lifestyle is consistent rather than different to the culture and society around us, we actually undermine the gospel by our actions. We also remove any reason for people to repent of their life or lifestyle. Why change to become a Christian when Christians are just the same as the world? Consequently, we are accepted by society, but our message is continued to be ignored as totally irrelevant to life. It doesn't increase our chance to be heard. It totally destroys any reason to listen to us. Now, it's the courage of people like the Manly Seven to stand firm under persecution and risk their career that makes us unpopular, but also forces society to take us and our message seriously. In the past, we had a Christianised culture here in Australia that broadly accepted our morality. That day is coming to an end as the grandchildren of the baby boomers' sexual revolution are coming of age. Now, our values are considered to be immoral. Now we have to stand up and be counted as God's holy, distinctive people. This is only going to increase till laws are drawn up against us and some of us pay the heavy price for our Christian confession. Or until such time as God by his Spirit brings a change of heart and mind to the Australian culture. But in the meantime, let's pray for the Manly Seven. I don't know what they believe in particular, but their courage and unity is important, not just for them, but for us all. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for men and women of courage who will stand by their convictions, even at great risk and cost to themselves. We pray for those overseas who are paying heavy price for being your people. And we pray for ourselves, Father, that we may be willing to stand firm, never ashamed of the Lord Jesus Christ, and willing to live by your ways, not the ways of this wicked world. And we pray these things through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to this new podcast from Philip Jensen and Two Ways Ministries. Philip will be bringing to you new regular episodes on a variety of topics and current issues. Don't forget to subscribe to keep up with his latest.